Welcome to What's Eric Eating, Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler, doing something a little bit different on the pod today, as is our tradition around these parts. We're going to take a look back at the year in dining. I have rounded up four of my regular co-hosts who are all going to share some thoughts with us. Let me introduce you individually so that people can hear your voices. He is a passionate advocate for the Houston food scene. Matt Harris, welcome back to the show. Thank you, sir. Good to be here. He is a Houston hospitality veteran and a co-founder of the Houston Barbecue Festival. Michael Fulmer, thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me. Happy holidays to all of you. She is a beverage consultant and the Texas market manager for a craft spirits company. Linda Salinas, so glad you're here. Thanks for having us, gang. And finally, she is the owner of Avondale Food and Wine, Mary Clarkson. We wouldn't do this without you. Of course you wouldn't. Thank you for having me. <laughs> that, that's right. not what he said before you got on, Mary. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know where you live, Eric. <laughs> you literally do. Uh, because you helped me buy it. All right. Mary, I think let's start with you. Oh, goody. I've given all of you some questions to contemplate, but Mary, why don't, why don't you start? What are your top three new restaurants that opened in 2021? Oh, okay. Top three. Number one, Street to Kitchen. No matter what, it's my fave. That opened in 2020, but okay. Well, whatever. 2021. I don't care. It's my favorite restaurant. I can't help myself. Um, number two would be the most recent one you and I went to, Amore, uh, from the alumni of DeMarco, uh, Italian cuisine is always one of my favorites and I love this location in the upper Kirby Montrose area. Great pastas. Um, I do love a joint that is BYOB. So this checks a lot of boxes for me. Um, and number three, I'm trying to decide if I'm going to go high or I'm going to go low for number three, Eric, what do you think? Go low. Go low. Oh, I don't know. I feel like 2021 is like the year. That go a lot of high end. Go high, go high, go high. Okay. Gratify. Surprisingly. I'm, I'm glad you said that. And let's, let's come back to that. But, uh, Matt, how about you? What are your top three new restaurants of 2021? I'm going to start with Neo, the place that I dined the most this year. Gulf Strauman, one of my most memorable meals of the year that we shared. And then lastly, uh, Gama and MKT Heights. Absolutely. Linda, how about you? What are your top three new restaurants? You know, I don't like rules. Um, I probably would have to say for sure Gama. Also, Sophia was really great for me. Um, you and I dined together there. And, oh, man, and Eunice opened up like two years ago or whatever. Yeah, I'm Eunice, just like, Eunice is old news. Yeah, it's so old now. So old. Um, Man, I'm I'm real struggling on this on this last one. Um, Any answer, you can win both showcases. Fijis, Fijis barbecue, Fijis. Mm-hmm. 
That's just not my, that's not, those aren't my flavors. I love those people, but those are not my flavors. <laughs> probably, it would probably be Orbay. I, I think those are all good choices. All right, Michael. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go with Hidden Omakase. Like, for me, I'm holding back on Neo because the idea of whether it's really a full-fledged restaurant. Oh, I would the, we're, we're, coming, we're, we're coming to that. Don't worry. Okay, we'll get to that. And that gives me my asterisk because I could say that was one of the best meals I had of last year was at Neo, but also one of the best meals I had was at Hidden Omakase. Um, I'm going to go with Herbe also uh, for their ability to conceive of a menu, execute it, uh, the environment's great and the food is fantastic. It's like, and they are clearly set up to do volume. Uh, it's just a well-run, really, the service was fantastic for a, for a uh, casual dining, you know, atmosphere. Uh, really impressed with uh, with Herbe. Um, and then I'm going to go with, you know, I'm going to go with Chivos. So I only had one meal there, but I was just really, I'm a big fan, uh, you know, of Thomas Bilay, uh and I think what he's trying to do and how he's executing it uh, has great promise. So I'm really, in many ways, I'm kind of doing that on great promise uh, based on, on one really good meal. Uh, and then I would, you know, I'm going to throw out Winnie's out there just because, uh, yes. you know, I'm going to throw out Winnie's because like when you say, where do you go for a good po' boy in Houston? And everyone kind of just kind of gives a blank, you know, it just, it, it never seems to, and it's really always about, I hate to say it, it's about the bread, you know, and their bread is so good. Uh, and I like all of what they do. And they clearly they opened under the auspices, you know, under the the, the, the terrible burden of what COVID's done in terms of being able to hire staff, in terms of being able to front of the house and back of the house. And they made it work. And every time I've been there, it's just been delicious and yummy. And I can't always wait to go. I can't wait to go back. All right. I, I, I think we have a ton of good answers here. I am a little bit surprised that nobody mentioned March, right? This this super ambitious, upscale tasting menu. I mean, you know, Mary, you and I, you and I actually went there twice. You know, once for dinner and then once back for uh, cocktails, cocktail kind of. martini, martini tasting with with food and champagne. My my favorite version of March is that second version, the cocktails with Alex Negranza, the little bites caviar service like i love that bar and i love that lounge it feels so great i think i think a lot of people maybe don't want the time commitment of a really long sit down dinner that march does very well but you know asking asking several hours of someone's evenings a, a big time commitment uh, to me it's not a time commitment it's a money commitment i so i did the I did the menu preview and the reason why I didn't say March was because I haven't done the tasting menu there. So I can't classify that is if you could ask me, if you could just lay out and say, Hey, you can go to any restaurant and we will pay for your meal, you know, tax and gratuity, whatever I would choose March. Okay. Without, you know, without missing a beat, like no hesitation whatsoever. You be, of the places you haven't been. Yeah. I, I've only, I only did part of the like menu preview in the bar area. So I haven't done the tasting menu. So, I don't think I can qualify as saying that, but like, given that it's like I said, if, if, you know, money and issue and time was, you know, if, if I could go to just any one place, it would be to March. So it, it's definitely on my radar and I'm cognizant of it. I just didn't feel it was proper for me to list it without having been there formally. Sure. Linda, let me, let me shift gears just slightly. Uh, you and Matt both mentioned Dagama that is on 
on my list on culture map. So let me, let me just ask you, what about, what about Dagama really stands out for you? I mean, for me, it's like, it's textures, flavors of that cuisine. So I really enjoyed the cocktails. I really enjoyed the service. I really enjoyed the food. Um, I think that sometimes, especially in, in Houston, it's like, oh, a great burger. Oh, a great steak. It's all the same kind of stuff. So I really, I find it very refreshing to have something that is not like anything else. I mean, I mean, obviously like Mary loves straight to kitchen, you know, and that's that wonderful Thai, you know, kind of street flavor food. town. It's got yeah. all the flavors. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, and that's how I feel about Dagama. Cause like, I just, I don't, I traditionally don't like really heavy, big American flavors. I like other flavors. So I really like having that and not having to try, drive to Chinatown or, you know, drive to Hillcroft or anything like that. So having those flavors and and just all in one package is just really, really like rewarding to me. Matt, how about you? Any any additional thoughts on Dagama? Because I've actually been there with both you and Linda separately. And I, I mean, I'm I'm with Linda. I mean, I really like how diverse the menu is. You can go with a vegetarian, you can go with the Metasaurus, you can go carb heavy with the naan and the rice, you can go no carb with kebabs and veggie plates. I mean, it, it's very flexible and it's, and it's very pretty. It's very calming. I, I think textures and flavors is a, is a good, two good descriptors. Uh, for me, it's, it's just a complete experience. It's very comfortable. The service is uh, attentive, but not, uh, you know, overly attentive. Um, it's got a great little patio area. Just, it's just a really complete experience. Food, service, there's some attention to some uh, zero-proof cocktails, which I appreciate. The menu's flexible. The desserts are, are nice. Uh, just checks all the boxes. Yeah. And then, you know, we've talked a lot about Winnie's, you know, obviously for me, that's a place, you know, one of those places I keep Winnie's going back to. Winnie's is the bomb. It's so good. Yeah, I think I've been there with all of you. Uh, actually, which says something about how often I'm going to Winnie's. Well, but you know, you, you have to really think about it. Like we're talking about stuff that I've all been open in the last couple of months. And I mean, this year has been very tough for a lot of people in so many ways. I just, I was, we're, as we're, as we're talking, you know, Colum door also opened up that really great restaurant as well, but that was so early in the, in the year that it kind of, I think everything gets kind of, kind of crunched up towards the end of the year and not, and remembering what happened, you know, in March, April, May, June, you know what I mean? So that's kind of, I, I was just thinking about it a second ago, but like Winnie's just opened, you know, March just, you know, just recently opened, you know March what I mean? Opened in, March opened in March, March opened in the spring, you know. Did they? I don't know, maybe. I, I promise. <laughs> But I mean, I just think that Winnie's just opened and I mean, it still continues to crush. I mean, believe me, it was one of my favorite spots too, you know, but there's a lot of really great, um, great new restaurants, you know, considering like what's been going on. Right. No, absolutely. All right. So let's have the Neo conversation because I would say two of my most memorable meals of the year were at Neo. One was a collaboration with Emmanuel Chavez of Tatamo. One was a collaboration with... Uh, the two chefs who are opening Beso, the Spanish restaurant that's coming to the Heights. And it is this like really inventive Japanese inspired omakase experience that 
the dry aged fish that they're doing. I I'm not aware of anywhere else in, in Houston that's doing that, but Mary, is it a restaurant? It is not a restaurant. (laughs) I think I put this in the experience category and what they're doing is incredible, but it's more of a, you know, think of it like a ticketed event or an experience. It's a restaurant for me is somewhere that you and I right now could go have lunch at if they're open for lunch or we could slide in for dinner or slide in for a drink and pull up to a bar. You can't do that here. So for me, it doesn't qualify as a restaurant. I love it very much, but I would put it into the category of Angie's Pizza for right now. It's kind of pop-up experience style. Yeah, that's what it sounds like to me. I mean, Matt, you've been there a bunch. My sense is that you probably have a slightly different perspective on that. Well, I think there are a lot of considerations. Uh, One, the quality and execution certainly rises to the level of a restaurant for me. I... I get what Mary's saying, but in some sense, the question was, what are your top three? And for me, it was Neo. And uh, I, I, you know, I don't want to split hairs. I can appreciate both sides of the conversation, but I have consistently had exceptional meals at Neo. And as much as anything, just want to recognize them for, for what they're doing. Oh, Absolutely. Uh, just to just to put a pin in this, the only other restaurant that I I don't think anybody mentioned, it opened at the very end of 2020. So I'm fudging a little bit is Tiny Champions, the pizza and pasta spot from the Nancy Sussel folks. Again, I, I feel like I've went there with all four of you at some point or another, and I've been back several other times. Uh, you know, just for for a pasta, for a pizza, for those unbelievable uh, braised braised beans with the garlic tomb. It, it's it's everything I like about Nancy's, which is to say that it's it's flavorful and thoughtful and welcoming and has a great vibe and it's it's got this like easygoing modern decor, but it's a little bit more affordable and it's just it's it's just very accessible. It's just it's it's pretty simple food, well-executed, and and just the kind of stuff I want all the time. True story, Daddy. <laughs> no, I definitely enjoyed Tiny Champions. It just didn't make my top three, that's all. Right. All right. Let us move on to topic number two. Linda, what is one dish that you'll remember from this year that didn't come from one of your top three restaurants? Ooh, probably the gnocchi at Tiny Champions. They do. I mean, they like that. One of the things that I really love about Tiny Champions, we just talked about it, is um, I, their pizzas are great. I really like all of their side dishes, all their extra snacky things. I think, you know, this year, more than any other year, is this year's been a year for me about little tiny snacks. I like going to places and trying a lot of little things, like very tapas style. So a lot of smaller dishes. Um, that just kind of like jump up to me is is um, a gnocchi dish that they did at um, at Tiny, Tiny Champions. But I mean, that's just that's just where I am right now, you know. So um, that was that was probably one of my favorite dishes. Matt, how about you? What what are uh, maybe one of your top two, one or two favorite dishes from this year? Uh, so I would say favorite dishes from restaurants that opened this year outside of the top three uh, for me is pretty easy. 
the uh, Scirocco at Kinakawa, very recent, just had it the other weekend. That preparation really made that dish sing. And I've is been thinking about it. Is that the broth and the yellowtail and the... That is not. That is, oh. the, that is the milt from the cod. Oh, yes. The, uh, yes, the fried sperm sack. Say what now? That is... Dead sperm. Wait, what? <laughs> oh, true story. My. Yikes. Yikes, <laughs> indeed. Wow. All right. Say a little bit more about it, and then we'll move. Uh, we'll move Linda, on. does that make your top dish of the year? <laughs> it's no, her top we'll... dish, and she hasn't even had it. <laughs> <laughs> That's too easy. It's too easy. I can't go there. No, no Babu, I have, I, I've, I have not been invited to this to that party. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Why are the ladies of this group being excluded from the fried sperm sack dish? <laughs> yeah, what's up with that? <laughs> Uh, the Kinokawa reservations are open to you too. Uh, oh, are they? Are they? They didn't. They didn't. They didn't reach out to me. <laughs> uh, all, all kidding aside, uh, that that was a serious dish and and uh, uh, a, a very deft, soft touch on the preparation. Um, Is that a savory really... dish, Matt? <laughs> it's it's savory and sweet. All right. Can we talk about what this, what that, what that program really is though? I mean, well, I, I mean, we haven't really broken it down as restaurant of the week yet and I don't want to get too far in the weeds, but okay. it's a very, um, it's a very playful tasting menu. And what I really liked about it was that it didn't, it didn't follow the, the standard progression of, you know, you get five or six pieces of nigiri and then you get a couple of pieces of toro and then you get wagyu and then you get something carby like uni spaghetti. You know, it's it's this bouncing back and forth between hot and cold dishes. It's Brandon Silva bringing in his, you know, Spanish and Mexican influences with Billy Kin's Japanese. And of course, Brandon knows Japanese food, too, because he worked at Uchi for a long time. It, you know, it just it's only been open for a week. And it's still got some kinks to work out, but its potential is sky high, in my opinion. I think, I mean, Brandon just is incredible at what he does. So I'm really excited to see what, what they've got going on. Right there with you. All right, Michael, how about your uh, your top uh, dish or two of the year? Um, I'm going to throw a couple out there and I'll be brief. Um, okay, the chop and block in the new... Uh, Post office, the post uh, HTX, uh, the motherland dish, which is uh, by itself is actually a vegetarian dish. I think it's actually vegan friendly, but you can add proteins to it. You can add like chicken or pork. It it just blew us away. It was so good. I could eat it every week. It was just delicious. You know, Uh, it was layered. It was nuanced. I'm going to throw this cliche out there. It had heart. You know, Uh, I just I can't wait to have it again. Um, the tamale sausage, the whole sausage program at Brett's Barbecue Shop in Katy is just off the chain. It's fantastic. Uh, we actually kind of folded our arms going, this is not going to taste good. And it was delicious. Okay, so Brett's Barbecue Shop. The churros at Night Shift, the bar. Okay, technically not a restaurant. It's a bar. Their churros are off the chain. They're so. I mean, I liked everything I had there, but the churros were just fantastic. Um I'll, I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at those three. Those are good. Great dishes. 
yeah, no, I, I, the churros are somewhere, somewhere on my dish, the uh, dishes of the year list. Those, those churros are something I've been eating uh, a lot of, and that I, I find myself craving on a regular basis. I think, um, I think we got, we got two orders and we're like, this seems like too much. And then we're like, uh, no, it wasn't. <laughs> no. And then we finished it anyway, because we're yeah. professionals. Professionals. All right, Mary, Mary, what are some of your top dishes? A couple, two, one or two. I mean, I'm just a comfort food person. So Angie's pizzas, like the being able to pick those up several times throughout COVID, those are so good. I know you love those as well as me. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to Cafe Louis, which will be up in here in the new year. Um, and then, you know, I went duck salad at Quinn. It's always something I've been craving throughout COVID. Uh, Himalaya, the fried chicken there is something I've been craving as of lately. I just, oh, I don't good. know, these... these these comfort food spots are really what's won my heart this year. No, I, I, I think that's all fair. And, uh, you know, just, you know, scrolling through pictures on my phone, like trying to think about some of the great meals of this year, but, but certainly the, the flour tortillas with the, the house butter and the, uh, the trout row at, at Chivos and those pozole dumplings both really stand out. I, Michael, I'm with you. I just think Thomas Billy is just an incredible talent. And I, you know, I'm so excited about uh, that restaurant's potential. And then, uh, I don't know, you know, I went to Nancy Sussel a few times. Those, uh, those beef and butter dumplings that they sometimes are on the menu, sometimes they're not on the menu. I, I think they're on the menu at the moment. Uh, just so savory and rich and satisfying. Uh, that's, a it's an old restaurant, but a, a place I found myself at, uh, four or five times over the course of the year. And just always, always a good meal at Nancy's. Today's show is sponsored by Balconis Distilling. Balconis makes grain-to-glass whiskeys at their distillery in Waco. I could talk about all the awards they've won, or that they're one of the pioneers of the growing American single malt movement. Instead, I want to talk about flavor, specifically of their flagship Texas One single malt. Pour a dram, and you'll get aromas of toffee and overripe fruit. Take a sip and savor the silky texture and flavors like lightly toasted bread with butter and marmalade. The finish offers more of those coffee toffee notes with wood flavors that round it all out. Personally, I drink my whiskey neat, but you're welcome to try it with a little water or even in any classic whiskey cocktail. Look for Balconis in stores, bars, and restaurants across Texas. Try it. I think you'll like it. All right. We have, uh, just for the sake of the audience, we have, uh, Linda had to go. So we've lost Linda, but let us move on to topic number three. Are there any trends you particularly enjoyed or are tired of some of the possibilities I threw out to you are uh, the comeback of restaurants that serve tasty menus, the uh, ever-growing smash burger movement, and all of the Italian restaurants that have opened up in the last six months or so. I mean, just kind of the new model for what restaurants and bars are going to look like, which is for the most part, a divergence. It's either going to be smaller than normal-sized restaurants used to be or much bigger, right, corporate. So 
a lot more outdoor patio areas than ever before in these new restaurants or ability to open up your dining room fully to outdoors and just think fast casual is here to stay. I think people for the most part want to get in and get out of restaurants and or be outside. So I think this, I think there's room for fine dining, but I don't think there's room for a lot of fine dining. I think uh, everything's going to get a lot more casual and I don't think that's a bad thing. I just think people are going to have to realize that Uber Eats and DoorDash and all of that, these ghost kitchens, those, those trends are here to stay. They're not going away. You know, I, I think that's an interesting thought, but I, I do think, and it's something that, that even in, even in talking about, you know, our favorite new restaurants of the year, right? We, we have hidden omakase, we have Neo, we have, uh, you know, these very elevated, very expensive restaurants. And we also have Winnie's and Herbe, which are very casual, big patios, relatively affordable. And we're seeing more and more of that. So I, I agree with you to a certain extent that there, there is more of an interest than ever in casual dining. But I also feel like there's a certain segment when we go out, you know, if we're not going to stay home, if we're not going to cook, if we're not going to order in, we, we want all of the service touches, all of the polish that really makes going out feel like something special. Oh, I think people are definitely willing to spend more money going out for those special occasions than they ever have before, because maybe they're only going out once a month or once every couple of months. So yep. they want it to be amazing and they're willing to spend a bunch of money on wine and they're willing to do a tasting menu because it's their splurge. Whereas before they're going out all the time. So there definitely is room for the fine dining and there definitely is room for tasting menu formats more than there ever has been, I would say. But I do think Winnie's hits a lot of notes. I mean, people, people want to be able to slide in and get an affordable drink and a boy and not feel bad about it and feel in a welcoming environment. I mean, I'm literally on my way to New Orleans right now. Like people want people, people want that Southern down home experience. They want great service and they want it at affordable prices. And then they also want that high end experience as well. Michael, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, two thoughts. One, um, let's talk about it. It's one of those things that I love. And at the same time, you've just seen it everywhere. And that's Berea tacos. Okay. It's just, and it's not just a Houston thing. It's just like all over the country. And you know what? Bring it. You know what? I love them. Show me your interpretation. You know, if it's okay, if it's great, that's it. So it's one of those like, okay, we're going to, it's going to continue to expand. And I think that's a good thing. Um, the other trend, and this is more of more of an industry thing, is that restaurants now are starting to, because of the shortage in labor, I'm watching, I'm seeing a lot of restaurants, how they're taking care of their staff and they're taking care of them so much better now. The respect that uh, the, they're getting for back of the house, the front of the house, the expansion and benefits, the treating the restaurant people like this is a job. There are people who do this for a living and we're starting to see institutions as well as small operators uh, treat them as such. Like they want to hang on to their staff. They want to create this culture. Uh, and that's a step all in the right direction. And I'm, I'm a big fan. You know, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I appreciate that kind of insider 
perspective, and let me let me just throw something at you, which is, you know, in this labor market, if you're a if you're a professional of any competence, the next job is an interview away, right? Because Every, everybody it seems like is always hiring. So, you, do you think that that's kind of influenced this? And and so, do you think it'll last? Well, of course, it's influenced it because you now there's a certain amount of le- you have leverage. You know, um, you hope that that employers treat their staff in a respectful and they you know safe manner, uh, just as a as a moral imperative. But you know, now that people have the option of going somewhere else, they're not being held like okay, you know, you know, uh, sorry, you're just going to be fired at the drop of a hat. We work in a right to work state. We're we're looking at front of the house people who make two thirteen an hour. And the inequities of what back in the house people make, you know, is well documented. So seeing these changes, uh, yes, change comes at a cost and change is difficult. Uh, but, you know, it's moving in the right direction. And, uh, you know, I'm a big proponent of that. No, absolutely, Matt. I, I, I see you. I see your hand raised. <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts? Certainly countenance, Fuller's comments, uh, and I think that's great and, and long overdue. You're seeing it in kitchens as well. So that is definitely a trend I support. Wanted to circle back to something Mary said about DoorDash and Ghost Kitchens and Uber Eats. Please, please, please always check and see if restaurants do delivery and when you can do take out, pick it up from the restaurant. It is so much better for them. You're here. Absolutely. I mean, I think what the, I know the consumer wants convenience, but so many of these small businesses are literally fighting for their lives and fighting for survival. And I think sometimes people don't know that Uber takes 30 plus percent and, you know, it's really hard for these small businesses already. So absolutely what Matt said, you know, see if, your favorite neighborhood spot does their own delivery. A lot of them do. A lot of the times it's completely free. Uh, So definitely, definitely check to see if you can support them that way. And my biggest hope out of all this is that every single person that works in a restaurant gets to have health insurance after this. I mean, it's been too long. I hope that the wage, the wages that go up are, are one thing. And I think that's important, but I really hope that everybody is able, the new standard is that everyone gets insurance going forward. Yeah. I, well, I mean, you've, you've owned and operated a small restaurant. I mean, my, my sense of talking to people is that the economics of that are, are tricky for sort of single unit operators. It gets a little easier with the bigger pool, but you know, I think in order to stay competitive, these smaller operators are going to have to figure out a way, whether that's subsidizing healthcare or paying half of it or something, because otherwise the small operators are going to lose out to bigger corporations that have to because of the size of their company. But I just think everything, I do think dining out is going to get more expensive and that's not necessarily a bad thing. If you want to support the people that are making your food and your drinks. All right. I'm going to say that is a good stopping point for trends. Let me, let me shift gears to something a little lighter. Classic restaurant of the year. What restaurant that's been open for more than a year did you find yourself going back to? Alternatively, is there an older restaurant you discovered for the first time this year? 
Michael, why don't you start? Okay, a couple of things. One, uh, you know, with the outdoor patio, Sunday night, Candente became a regular spot for me. Just the quality of the food, the service. Yes, the locale, because I live near there, but um, it's definitely destination worthy. Uh, like, I think I was going there easily three times a month on Sundays, if not four. And, you know, it just was very comforting. You know, it was it was a great experience. The other one, and I think it's like the best lunch deal in town, and uh, I think I'll get a hear here from all of you, and that's Cotarabata. You know, they hear here. They the really here here indeed. Yeah, there it is. You know, I just they really maneuvered well with the pandemic, uh, and they've kept their standards in service and food, and you know, you they're selling out their lunch every day practically, and the quality has not lapsed one iota. It's just. Uh, top-notch all the way as far as rediscovering a restaurant uh get back to me on that well yeah let me just follow up your point on Cata Robata and and I know uh Mary and Matt you may you may have thoughts about that too every time I post that seven piece sushi and roll on my Instagram story I I get dms from people is that something special for you is that how much is that it's like it's twenty two dollars it's available Monday through Friday. It's Friday. 24 now. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, it was 22 the last time I had it. Still even at 24, even at 24, it's a hell of a deal. And I I just really, really, lunch at Kata is like one of those favorite treats when I can sort of, I can see my schedule on any given work day and just know that, you know, if I can get something done early and then I can make it, you know, I can make like an hour, an hour and a half for myself. It is one of my absolute favorite treats. And so, Mary, if you have any follow-up thoughts on that, jump in. And if let's not, just, uh, let's, just drive, let's just drive up and down Kirby, shall we? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Carabas on Kirby, the OG, is still one of my favorites. I love sitting at that bar. I love the service, minestrone or chicken noodle soup, especially during COVID when I just want something comforting. Their soups are so good. Chicken Brian margarita pizza great martinis and then also off kirby something that i rediscovered this past year and eric and all of us still need to go together is prego uh in the village it's so incredibly good the vangole uh the clam spaghetti is wonderful the bar program's great it's under new ownership with somebody who's worked with them for a long time david um and they expanded, they have a patio and they've never had a patio before. Thank you, COVID. Um, the ownership of the village allowed them to build out into their parking lot. So uh, that's a nice feature for the people that want to eat outside. And what a great little neighborhood gem. I agree with you. We are, we are overdue for that Prego revisit. And I mean, frankly, you know, it, it hasn't been reported on and and I take some responsibility for that. But, you know, Tracy Vaught sold her most most of her ownership interest to uh, one of the longtime employees and that, that that restaurant has changed a little bit and that people deserve to know about that. So, you know, for, for podcast listeners, this is your heads up. And, uh, you know, certainly in January, like, let's let's tell that story because because I'm really fascinated by it. Let's um, do it. Matt, how about you? Um, any, any places you find yourself, established places you find yourself going back to? The first three that came to mind when I saw this question 
in no particular order, Himalaya, Riel, and La Lucha. You know, it's funny. Like I only made it to Riel a couple of times this year and I had, I had good meals there, but I, I admit, I don't think I've been back like since May or June. Uh, so is there anything about Riel that sort of stands out to you? Have you, have you been there more recently? We're there. Yes. Pretty recently. And, and uh, you know, I think Ryan just keeps, it's a good mix of old favorites and new dishes that kimchi carbonara. Absolutely. Uh, going back to, uh, we got sidetracked a little bit with the Shiraco uh, conversation, but that was certainly one of the best uh, dishes I had this year, just flavor on flavor, just fantastic. And, and, it, and it's just uh, maintained that level of execution. Uh, when I go in there, I have pretty high expectations and, and Ryan and his team continue to meet them, as, yeah. as does Bobby at La Lucha and Kaiser at Himalaya. Uh, it's really impressive for the consistency of these places and, you know, if, if I, I know when I go, literally know almost to a day, cart, a Cartesian certainty that <laughs> I'm going to have a really good meal. <laughs> yeah. If I was to add a third, I would, I would put in truth, truth barbecue, just that's, you know, truth and corkscrew are just so consistent, so comforting, so good. No, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. You know, we've been to truth a few times over the last year and then, you know, we went up to to Corkscrew shortly before the Texas Monthly Top 50 came out and just reminded of how incredibly excellent that restaurant is, how how just unbelievably consistently good it is. And and I will say that having, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name names, I'm not gonna get into the details, but we've been to other barbecue restaurants where, you know, it was a little off on any given day. And and I I can only imagine how difficult it is to cook uh, with live fire, with product that needs to smoke for, you know, 12, 15 hours at a time and, and all that. But um, that, that both Truth and Corkshire are able to meet those challenges on a very consistent basis at a very high level is, is so impressive to me. Uh, to, to your point, Daddy, and, and by Daddy, I mean Daddy Fulmer. Uh, I don't think I've uh, sent anyone. <laughs> I don't think I've sent anyone to uh, a restaurant more than Truth this year. It's it's really special. And you know, I mean, we we talked about this. You know, when the Texas Monthly Top Fifty came out, it, it's the only one from the top ten in twenty seventeen that moved up in the ranks from ten to three. And you know, with, with all of the new competition, with all of the smart creative, talented people getting into barbecue, not just to maintain your level, but to, but to go up is, uh, is so impressive. And Leonard and Corey and, and the whole Truth Crew deserve all of the praise that they get for, for their hard work. And then just one classic place for me that I, I've gone back to some, uh, first in 2020 and then again in 2021, is Backstreet Cafe. I mean, I have sort of a deep affection for Hugo's and Caracol. I've been to Herbe a bunch since it opened. Uh, but there is just something about that old house in River Oaks and the it's it, it's it's pretty rustic stuff, you know. It's that chicken uh chicken tortilla soup and the enchiladas or a, a well-cooked piece of steak. It's it's uh 
and the service is great and it's so comfortable and the staff is so welcoming. You know, it was a, it's a place I had kind of written off and, and had occasions to go back and, and really, really enjoyed. It's for me, it's in the category of Brennan's, right? It's nostalgia. It's where people go for special occasions. So I get that, especially in a year like the one we've had. I I guess I have to go back because my last few experiences there have not been good, which always surprises me given, you know, the, the quality of the rest of that restaurant group. So I will, uh, I will go with an open mind. And and I will say, I, you know, Matt, you mentioned Lucha. I I had occasion to go back to state of grace for lunch uh, a couple of three months ago and was just reminded of, of how charming and certainly an expensive restaurant, but, but very, uh, very worth it just from the, you know, seafood and uh, pastas and everything that Bobby, uh, Bobby Matos does there. And then just this past weekend, I went back to Eunice uh, for the first time in forever. And that that's still a very delicious uh, Creole, you know, New Orleans inspired, mostly seafood restaurant. Drake does such a good job there. That's one of my favorites. All right. Topic number five. Saddest shutter. What restaurant or bar that closed this year will you miss the most? Mary, why don't you kick us off? Uh, besides my own. <laughs> um, <laughs> saddest shutter. Well, you're making a comeback in 2022. I'm not counting you out yet. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't, uh, guys, there's so many, so many. I don't know. I don't know. Somebody caught me by surprise. I'm going to have to shoot. Um, Penny Quarter made me sad. Penny Quarter made a beautifully designed space. I love the idea of kind of an all-day cafe, coffee shop, wine bar, cocktail spot next to Anvil. I, I would frequently go over there and kind of use it as my little office in the afternoon to escape for an hour or two. Such friendly staff such beautifully executed cocktails, food, wine, everything. So I'm, that make, that one makes me sad because it, it's close to home. Okay. Well, that I, I won't object to this too strongly, but, but I will say the penny quarter closed in 2020, not in I'm, I'm grouping everything. I'm grouping everything into COVID. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Matt, how about you? What was your, uh, what was your, what what closed what closed restaurant will you miss the most from this year? Uh, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go nostalgia and uh, say Spanish Village. Strong. Say a yes, little sir. more. Good choice. Well, you know, as a native Houstonian, that was that's kind of an OG and um, uh, memories there dating back to when uh, when I actually had hair. So you know that was a while ago. But uh, yeah, I had, had uh, recently done a birthday there and uh, just lots of, lots of good memories there. And, and uh, gets a little foggy, as Mary said, you know, COVID, you kind of think of closures um, and they start to run together a little bit. But, but uh, I'm pretty sure that one was 2021. It absolutely was. I forgot UB Preserves only because this just happened in the past week, but that one should be on there too because yeah, no, no, we're, Wong, we're, we're coming Wong, to that. Don't worry. Nick Wong killed that. <laughs> Eric, Eric made me promise not to say UB Preserves so he could say it. Oh, shit. Okay, sorry. No, I didn't no. Get the memo. Matt's, Matt's just kidding. 
Uh, Michael, what about you? Uh, For me, I guess for this year, yeah, because it's the same thing. I think about like, you know, Yaya Mary's and Shell Shack uh, or the Shrimp Shack rather from um, the Pappas Corporation. I like both those places. But for me, uh, Piper's Barbecue on Shepherd was just starting to find its footing, you know, its voice. Uh, Richard Orozco was the pit master there. And they were really putting out good quality. You know, when they first opened, it was awful. They brought Richard in. He really kind of brought the food and the focus of, of what they were doing with the sides and the smoked meat. And they were continuing to evolve. But they had like four parking spaces. It just it just didn't work out. And I'll, I'll miss it. Yeah, I, I will say that was that was not on my list. But uh, and, and honestly, not a not a restaurant that I got the chance to try. I mean, I, I heard you rave about it. I know Matt had some good meals there. Uh, and they're turning it into a burger spot, which seems like an interesting choice given its proximity to the burger joints. And I mean, so many other great burger places in that part of the Heights, but uh, you know, obviously I wish them a lot of luck with that. A couple on my list. I mean, you know, uh, obviously Avondale, uh, Divino, the Italian restaurant on West Alabama, that was uh, a staple in Montrose for so many years. Downhouse, which, you know, kind of rode that wave of, restaurant development in the Heights and, and really had a moment as just a, a very welcoming neighborhood spot that, that jumped on, you know, farm to table sourcing and craft cocktails and third wave coffee and, and brought them all together in a really, you know, for a few years there in a really satisfying way. The Pastry War, Bobby Hugel's uh, Mezcaleria, the agave bar. I'm, I'm sorry that that Linda jumped off, but, but, you know, we talked about that pretty extensively in a, in a prior episode, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, as UB preserve certainly ranks up there. I mean, I, I look back at my list of 2019's hundred best Houston restaurants. I had it third. So, you know, what, what Nick Wong and the team there did in terms of not, not continuing the underbelly legacy, but, but sort of using that as a jumping off point and, you know, making so many delicious dishes. I mean, obviously that crispy rice salad and the, the Vietnamese fajitas were, were standouts, but, you know, he took honey walnut shrimp, which is one of my, my favorite Cantonese dishes and gave it a Texas twist with, uh, with pecans and Gulf shrimp. And, and, you know, that's what was always so delightful about UB preserve is you just, you never quite knew like what you were going to try that was going to be your new favorite thing there. And so I'm, I'm certainly excited about him going to Georgia James Tavern. I'm excited to see what he comes up with, but uh, you know, UB Preserve certainly had a had a moment. True story, Daddy. I honestly thought it was the best restaurant in the whole group, so it makes me especially sad. Love Nick Wong. Agreed. Agreed. Matt, I know you went there quite a bit. You have anything to add? No, I, I, I uh, at the risk of just repeating what you you said. I think it certainly will be missed. Crispy rice salad, the space, you know, and it, it, it had a vibe too that uh, you, you almost, it was, it was so Houston. It was almost not Houston. Uh, I know that sounds kind of strange, but uh, I'm glad that uh, we'll still be, we'll have Nick's food uh, and his team uh, at Georgia James Tavern. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to go glass half full. No, absolutely. No, I'm, I mean, you know, he's, you know, Nick's got this incredible resume. He's worked for David Chang. He's worked for Chris Cosentino. I, 
I'm just glad that even though this chapter has come to an end, that he's sticking around Houston, he's going to still be part of Underbelly Hospitality, and and that we as Houstonians get to get to see where his uh, career takes him because I I think it's going to be really exciting. Um, all right, let us let us wrap up this conversation with a look to the future. And Matt, why don't you kick us off? What what restaurant, maybe one or two, are you looking forward to for 2022? Well, I would say there there are several, but the two that come to mind are at the forefront and Iron, the uh, Sandbrooks Group Live Fire concept, certainly would be near at the top of the list. And uh, Blue Dorn's TBD Rice Village Spot. Yeah, I, you know, I had a, a brief conversation with Aaron uh, a little while back. He didn't have a lot of details to share, but he said they're going to be doing lunch, which if, you know, just that alone, it's like, ooh, what, what's, what's an Aaron Blue Dorn lunch going to be like? And, you know, certainly uh, Michael Sandbrooks has opened some of my favorite restaurants, 1751 CN Bar. Michael already talked about how much we all like Candente. So yeah, him putting a spin on a steakhouse is uh, high on the list for me. Uh, Mary, what about you? So I spoke about this a little bit earlier. Cafe Louis on the East End um, from Chef Angelo from Angie's Pizza. I cannot wait to see what he will do in a brick and mortar space. Uh, He won't have pizza there. So I'm a little bummed out about that. But I just think... His young, fresh kind of California take on whatever he's going to be bringing us, which he's described as a lot of different things, Texas, Mediterranean, Jewish influences. He's like, I want I want everything he's making right now. I I want to see what his take is on a on this concept Um, in terms of bars with food or that type of concept. Clarkwood, which is opening uh, New Year's Eve next to Michael Sandbrook's steakhouse that's under construction. I think that whole area, that whole development revitalization of this kind of really cool historic building that's so close to so many neighborhoods, but is a little bit off the beaten path. It's one block off of Waugh and Allen Parkway. Um, I think it'll be a hidden gem. I think there's lots of cool little concepts within that uh corridor there's a great little coffee shop there too the patio is going to be huge for the steakhouse and pretty big for this wine bar as well so i just think you know houston's got a lot coming up that we should all be super excited about i i I think 2022 holds a lot of promise michael how about you yeah I, i agree it does hold a lot of promise we're seeing Whereas the breaks were put on a lot of operations, you know, because of COVID and then just by sheer necessity, they all started to finally open up again. Yes, I'm looking forward to Loro. Uh, it, by all, it doesn't look like it's going to be a lot different from the Austin one, but I'm curious as to what that will, you know, show. You guys already talked about several other places that I'm definitely interested in. Um, you know, uh, Uchiko, I keep hearing that Uchiko is coming and it's one of my favorite places in Austin because you can go there and it doesn't necessarily break the bank, but if you really want to go there and like throw down, you can, it has great variants, has a lot of style. It's just, it's straight up good and sexy, you know, and who doesn't like that? (laughs) No, it is definitely coming in the original conception. It was supposed to be open by now, but, uh, you know, delayed by, materials, equipment, permitting, you know, all of those, all of those things that just have pushed everybody back. 
you know, I, I mean, I, I share all of your collective excitement about everything you've mentioned, especially Loro having gotten to, having gotten to walk that space as it's still under construction and see what they've done to, to transform that church into a restaurant. It's, it's just, it's, it's going to be really dramatic and a really, really uh, kind of a spectacular venue for, for dining. And Mary, I'm with you. I'm, I'm drooling over everything on the Cafe Louis uh, Instagram. Like every time they post a new dish, it's like, oh, I want to eat. I want to eat all of those things. I literally uh, want them like the second I see them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, just one that we haven't mentioned, uh, Hamsa, the modern Israeli restaurant from the owners of Doris Metropolitan. You know, we've gotten a little bit of a, a sense of what they're doing at, at Badalina, the bakery they opened in Rice Village, and, and Homs is going to be located right next to it, you know, because Houston doesn't have a restaurant like, like Sahav or like Shia or Saba. And, uh, you know, we got a, a little taste of it with One Fifth Mediterranean, but there's, there's sky's the limit in terms of you know, having something like that here. And, and I'm just so excited for all of that. And uh, I'm, I'm curious to see what uh, Nick Fine does at Wild Oats up at the, uh, up at the farmer's market. They, uh, they posted a uh, chicken fried steak picture from a dinner uh, that uh, the Underbelly group did over the weekend. And, and it just looked, it looked fantastic. And, you know, I'm, uh, you know, a chicken fried steak obsessive and, and really there just can never be, there's always room for another good one. And so I, and, and Nick's just such a likable guy and, and he's worked at some really great places. And so super curious to see what he does uh, turned loose on his own for the first time. Yes, daddy. I'm raising my hand. <laughs> yes, Matt, I see hand. you. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> Matt, Matt, any additional thoughts over here? Teacher, teacher, teacher. Uh, what, one other one that, uh, uh, it, it's, it's taken the next step kind of moving from, uh, more of a, a pop-up to a brick and mortar is Takamo. Big fan of what Emmanuel's doing there and excited to see what he can do in a proper kitchen. Oh yeah. You know, that's, that's a good point. And we talked about, you know, favorite dishes, favorite meals. I, I mean, I, I went to one of the the Neo Tatamo collaboration dinner. And then I went to a, a second Tatamo solo tasting menu and, and they were both like so flavorful, so creative. And, and yes, I, you know, a hundred percent second, all of that. Well, uh, this does bring us to the end of the questions. Uh, Michael, Mary, Matt, any, any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Where are we celebrating together? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I'll have to get all of us together for uh, some sort of celebratory meal, probably at Winnie's. Yay. All right. Well, let me let me thank all three of you for for participating. Uh, thanks to Linda Salinas, who unfortunately couldn't stick around. Shout out to Felice Sloan, who unfortunately wasn't able to join us today. Hey, hey. Hey, 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 hey. Uh, thanks, as always, to our producer, Michael Carroll, for... Uh, corralling all this chaos and turning it into something uh, that we can listen to. And of course, thanks to you, the listener, because there really wouldn't be a point at this if, uh, if you weren't out there. And, and let me just say, I get, when I see people out, uh, when I, I get messages on social media with how much people like the show, it is, 
such a huge compliment. I know that this is a, a niche product. I know that it's uh, maybe a lot to ask some weeks, but uh, thanks really for all of the support. And we're going to take a week off, but I'll be back in two weeks with more thoughts on Houston restaurants. So happy new year. Happy holidays. Thanks for listening. Be back soon.